This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, June 17, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. The seeds of financial crisis are sown early, but seeing that crisis looming during a boom is always a challenge. And even knowing the bubble is going to burst at some point in the near future, it's not always enough to get you to take your profits and get out. Carmen Reinhardt is co-author of the book, This Time is Different, Eight Centuries of Financial Folly. She says the U.S. is now at the stage where we're denying underlying problems in our economy, crisis notwithstanding. In your book, you go through hundreds of years of financial crises, and for somebody with that historical knowledge who had lived hundreds upon hundreds of years and had perfect memory of all of these previous financial crises, what would they have identified that uh, most participants, ground-level participants in the financial crisis did not identify? Um, I would say that there were several tangible indicators that you could identify, and then there was yet another that is less tangible. Let me talk about the tangible first. The tangible is in the early stages, it, before a famine, usually you have a good feast. And the early, the, the seeds for the famine are sown during the feast. And uh, part of the story is that you have a period of very lax credit uh, that can fuel booms in asset prices, uh, housing and equity. Uh, but what kinds of indicators should you be seeing? Well, you should be seeing very rapidly rising asset prices, but with a very rapidly rising credit, uh, another word of saying that is indebtedness is rising. Uh, that indebtedness isn't entirely homegrown. Uh, you import it also from abroad. You borrow from the rest of the world. Uh, so surges in capital inflows are part of the story. Uh, I also mentioned that there are less tangible things uh, that you observe, which is behavior... Uh, behaviors that are predicated on the expectation that the feast will last forever. And uh, let me put that concretely. When mortgages were being made um, as the uh, boom progressed, uh, you weren't, the lenders weren't really worried too much about the quality of the borrower because the expectation was, well, uh, if the collateral is housing, and housing prices continue to do what they've done in recent years, even if this creditor doesn't work out and they walk out, the collateral will be there and I, this, this will be a good deal. And when you start seeing in expectations, both from the borrowing end and, and from the lending end, uh, that the, the boom is going to continue forever, that's, that's, that's been present uh, you know, South Sea bubble and subsequent crises, uh, North and South. That uh, refrain that presumably a lot of mortgage brokers said, which is housing prices don't go down. Um, how much of financial crisis in general is simply a, a mass and perhaps even a generational psychology that is your life experience does not have a great deal to, uh, you, you've never had to contend with a specific stress, uh, and therefore you, you don't concern yourself with it. Well, the reason we entitled, Ken Rogoff and I, the reason we entitled the book This Time is Different 
is that that's what we tell ourselves that this time is different, that the old rules of valuation don't apply to us. Part of the reason you may think that the old rules don't apply is because maybe in your lifetime the crisis happened somewhere else to another country. Some, or if it happened in your own country, it happened to a different generation. So our parents' generation, my parents' generation, certainly knew the Depression. Um, and those memories, though, uh, fade. Um, but let me say this, that even in cases where uh, the country in question has had a fairly recent, within memory, uh, crises, the tendency, the tendency, the human tendency to say we're doing it better now, those, it's, it's really not quite like that. It's very strong. Speaking of the tendency to say that, Congress is now uh, has a lot of new regulations uh, uh, bouncing around in the halls there. How has Congress responded, and the presidency as well, in terms of uh, sort of setting at least uh, setting some of the agenda? How have Congress and the president dealt with the financial crisis as it's gone forward? Well, let me take that in, in different parts. I mean, there's the whole issue that there's the recognition that we have to rethink our financial industry and the regulation and supervision of the financial industry. Okay, that far we've gotten um, in a recognition that it has to be changed. However, we are very far from arriving at a point in which we have a vision uh, of how it it has to be changed. Namely, uh, one of the central things that has to be changed uh, is uh, to avoid moral hazard and to avoid excessive risk-taking associated with moral hazard, we have to deal with the too-big-to-fail problem, for example. That's kind of critical, in effect. Uh, and we are still, we're still not there. Uh, the other thing that has to change is over, and they're not unrelated, uh, over uh, time, uh, financial statements have become more and more opaque, which is another way of saying we have no idea what's going on. Uh, and the, the move towards transparency uh, and what that transparency would entail, what kinds of, of, of requirements... Uh, disclosure requirements. We're we're pretty. We're still far away from from where we hope to be. That's. Uh, let me just add that that's on the financial front. On the fiscal front, uh, we are still in a. I would say, on the whole, uh, the stage where we are denying uh, that we have a problem a more underlying problem than the specific uh, triggers associated with the crisis. Is that That's absolutely right. That I mean, this is not... Uh, we understand that this recession has been uh, very protracted, very severe, uh, and that the budgetary consequences uh, have been very deep, as one would expect, and that even absent... Uh, bailouts, even absent stimulus packages. Uh, Ken Rogoff and I have written in our uh, review of the history experience that after financial crises, severe financial crises, government debt 
in real terms, after adjusting for inflation, nearly doubles in the three years after a financial crisis. And a good chunk of that, the, the lion's share, is because revenues collapse. Okay, so, so there's a clear, huge cyclical component to this. But the fact is, when you look over the medium term, uh, our deficit and debt problems are far from resolved. On the contrary, they keep getting worse and worse. And I think we are still at a, a, a denial stage uh, as to how much time uh, do we really have before uh, we can correct this without really risking, uh, you know, um, having the kind of scenario that Europe is now facing play out. The incentive that Congress faces, and especially somebody who does a lot of talking on television, as, as the President of the United States uh, typically does, is to do something, and in a lot of cases that makes the private sector, people who would otherwise be doing a lot of investing, skittish about getting into uh, markets or putting big bets on the table. How much uh, of a problem is that right now? I would say that's a very significant problem. Um, part, um, uh, Ken and I have done some recent work looking at growth performance during periods in which public indebtedness is high. Uh, this is not a causal study. It's not that debt causes growth or that growth causes debt. It's a coincident um, analysis that basically shows that, on the whole, uh, median growth rates tend to be about 1% lower in periods in which gross public debt uh, is 90% or higher. Nothing magic about the 90%, but it's the one has to define high in using some metric. It's like speed limit. You don't say, well, it's 55 or maybe 57 or 62, you put 55. But So debt at 90% or higher is associated with lower growth rates. Uh, but part of the reason, apart from... Um, the what I discussed earlier that recessions worsen your deficits and your debt problems. Uh, the the other direction is that high deficits and debts create uncertainty about what you're going to have to do to reduce those debts and deficits, and that entails a lot of uncertainty about future tax liabilities, about future benefits. Uh, and therefore future hiring, uh, it creates uncertainty at many levels. And of course, if the expectation is that you're never going to do anything and you're not going to deal with it, the uncertainty is whether you'll default or not, uh, which is how we got into a situation in which European economies that were thought to have outgrown the possibility of default are now seeing spreads, uh, that are worse than many emerging markets. Carmen Reinhardt is co-author of the book This Time is Different, Eight Centuries of Financial Folly. You can read more on the financial crisis at cato.org.